Welcome to the show. We have the one and only Bad Boy Hitman producer, Platinum Boy Amadeus. Amadeus, what's going on? You're live now, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, WSGE Radio, St. John's University. Sound off the air horns. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate it. What an amazing introduction, man. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm grateful. I'm humbled uh, to be here and chosen uh, to, to have this interview with you. Salute and congrats to everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, all of the amazing interviews that you've done in the past. Again, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate that and, and you acknowledging me as well. But to start off something unique, you have all the plaques in the background. Which one are you most proud of? Great question. Um, so I'd say this one, uh, which is- Cradle the, to the Grave but Foxy Brown? Yes, sir. I would say that one, that one put me on the map as a producer, my first placement, my first introduction to the world as a musician and as a producer. So I would say that one. And if I can name two more um, that that mean a lot to me, I would say the uh, Young and May Petty Wap gold plaque for the single and uh, Davies featuring Chris Brown, perfect for the single. Those are uh, my first two gold uh, plaques that I've gained from singles. Um, so th those I'm very, uh, very, very proud of and, and definitely a, mon a monumental moment for me and my career as a producer. And um, shout out to The Breed that I produced Davies Chris Brown record with and shout out to Velocity Music that I created the uh, Young and Meg Petty Watt record with. Yeah, so those those three, <laughs> those three mean, you know, not saying that the rest of them don't because it's all I call wall art. Uh, they're all great accolades, gold and platinum plaques from all of the different various projects that I've been blessed to produce for, but um, I love that question, man. Did you ever think that Foxy Brown would be the first artist that you produced for? Because she came into the game slamming with a hit record, Il Nana. That's a classic, an undisputed classic, of course, which Facts. you can go on there and just read off the list of the amount of classics that are on there. You got The Promise on there with Havoc. She's got songs with Method Man on there. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a prime female MC. Yes, sir. Coming out of Brooklyn. People think she's in Queens, but uh, people get that messed up sometimes because of the whole Nas connection. But there's a right. JV connection and so much more. Go go research Foxy Brown if you haven't heard of her, one of the greatest of all time. But yes, sir. I, I'm going to assume that you were a big Foxy Brown listener growing up with Il Nana. Huge, huge fan. Um, not only with the music, but, you know, you know, I, I definitely thought she was my girl uh, without even knowing her. I, I think that was a lot of uh, the story of a lot of us young fellows that was growing up in the game. You know, we all had crushes on, on Foxy. So salute to Foxy. But no, I definitely didn't think that it would be her. Uh, that would be the, the artist that I would work with first. Um, it just it was an opportunity that that came about of me meeting her with a with, with her brother, Anton Masham, who was the director of A&R Interscope Records. And, you know, it was kind of a situation where I think he had City High and, and Wyclef and a few artists that were like more R&B pop. And at the time for me, just starting out, I was a straight, straight up hip hop producer, like no R&B, no pop, just boom bap, you know, hard samples. And, you know, everything I played him, he loved, but he was like, this just doesn't fit what I'm working on. He was like, but you would be really dope you know, with my sister. And I'm like, who's your sister? And he's like, Foxy Brown. And I'm like, she ain't your sister, bro. But you know, like, like you said, me being a fan of Foxy, like I knew her government name. So as I looked at his name, his government name on his desk, it said Anton Marchand. And I knew that that was, you know, Foxy, Foxy's uh, last name. Um, met with her in the studio that night, played her the same beats I played him, you know, left her with the CD uh, that night of beats, got a call the next day, like, yo, she went crazy on two beats, bro. Like, one is going to be for the credit to the grave movie and soundtrack, the actual title song. And there's another record that she did called Get Off Me, which was a disc. This towards Eve. Towards Eve. <laughs> um, and that was kind of how I came in the game. And not to jump the gun, but 
I remember like being petrified because I'm like, man, am I going to be like in the middle of this beef or this situation, you know, on wax? Like, I don't know Eve. I don't, I, I just met Foxy. I have nothing to do with both situations. And I love Eve. Like I want to work with Eve too. And I just, you know, was scared that that record would kind of like ruin any opportunity or chances that I would have to work alongside Eve. But shout out to my big brother, Buck Wild, legend in the game as a producer, produced story. Got a, I got a story to tell, produced uh, I Love You by Faith, uh, a bunch of different records. And he was just like, you know, one of my mentors. And he's like, yeah, bro, you're the producer. You ain't got nothing to do with that. Like that's the lyrics are between them, the two MCs. You just made the beat. That's it. Um, so that was kind of, you know, how I came into the game as a producer. So shout out to Foxy Brown. And we're so, when we're talking about Buckwild, are we talking about Buckwild from Digging in the Crates? Yes, sir. That's, oh, that's legendary. That's crazy. Now, how did you get linked up with Buckwild? Because he's a legend in the game. Big facts. So it was really dope. My mom and a friend of his were really close. Mm -hmm. And that was at the time when I was kind of trying to figure stuff out. I, I knew that I wanted to do music and, 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 and I was a musician already, but that was kind of when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to be a producer or not. And um, so he was a family friend, man. And, you know, she reached out to him, my mom's, and she was like, my son is talking about this beat stuff and being a producer. Like, I know this is what you do you know, can you kind of like take him around and, and, and let him see what it is to see if it's something that he really wants to do and take seriously. So I remember the night, like it was yesterday, man, him taking me to the studio. We went to daddy's house studio, which is Puff studio, mm -hmm. home of, you know, Big Faith, Mace 112, this goes on. Took me to Right Track studio. So he, then and that one night he had a meeting with Missy, Busta Rhymes, um, and a few other artists. And I got to kind of see the process of like him putting on the music and them kind of just rocking now. Oh, I like that. Oh, go to the next one. Oh, I need this right here. And that was the night where I was like, okay, this is definitely, you know, what I, what I want to do. Um, so shout out to Buck Wild for introducing me to the studio and letting me see the behind the scenes, uh, you know, a day in the life, a day of, at work with Buck Wild. And that, you know, really inspired me and pushed me to, to really pursue it, man. And then we're still brothers and friends till to this day. Um, he, he shared a numerous times of, how proud you know he was of me, you know, making it to the level that I made it, you know, today and uh, forever grateful for Buckwild. Buckwild's one of the greatest of all time. You're following in his footsteps, and when it's man. all said and done, you're going to be mentioned in there, a hundred percent. Humble man. Uh, from all the work that you've done, and just thinking about how important producers play a part in this game of music, and now it's so hard to recognize producers because back in the days, let's we had to go back to the ancient dinosaur days for these kids that we're listening to. Because when you went to the store, you bought your album, what was there? Those booklets that came yes, with sir. the album are, and you'd be able to identify the producers, identify everyone who had a part in pl putting the album together. We don't get that anymore, so now you have to go and do your actual research, right? Yeah. I miss those days so much, man. That that was something that I did first. Like before I even listened to the project, before I listened to the album, I would open up the booklet because I would be excited to, to see and read who was producing, who was the songwriters, who were who were the features, you know what I mean? And everybody that was involved in making the project, the project. So that was very exciting to me, man. So, you know, to to, to now be in uh 2021 and and no longer having those those discs and those booklets to read. You know, it's very, it's, 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 it sucks, you know, it, it definitely sucks because a lot of us producers don't really get the love and the acknowledgement and the recognition that we're so used to getting, you know, when we had actual physical albums. Um, so it sucks, man. And I think it kind of turned into where a lot of people don't even care. You know, uh, a lot of artists don't even be mindful and respectful enough to make sure that they include the producer in their post or say, you know, once they release the record or the video or the single, 
you know, such and such produced by Amadeus, like they'll, they'll give the, the, the stylist a shout out. They'll give the photography or the videographer a shout out. You know, they'll give the manager a shout out, the label and their homeboys. Um, but then, you know, no one knows who was behind the beat. And at the end of the day, that's very important alongside all of those other people that I mentioned because they deserve their credit as well. But to not credit the producer, man, is, is, is to me one of the most disrespect, disrespectful things you can do because without the producer, without the beat, that song, you know, would have never been created. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it, it sucks, but gratefully we have social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we have the internet online, which wasn't available to me when I first started producing. So you can kind of use your own social media to really, you know, share with the world, the songs and the hits you're behind and, and to just put it out to the masses that you're responsible from a production sense, you know, for, for those songs that are out. So that, that's definitely been a help, especially for me as a producer. What would you say would be the main way, because I'm going to bring up an example here. People said that Nas was a, a terrible beat picker, but to me, his lyrics always overshadowed the beats. What's a way that the producer and the artist can coincide in which they both did their thing on a track in which the, even the beat producer doesn't outdo the artist. What's the way that that thing can both coincide, whereas the producer did his thing and the artist did his thing. I think, and that's a great point that you bring up. I think it's very important to understand the process of creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Where, a producer is creating the blueprint and creating beats and then presenting those to artists and songwriters, right? And A&Rs and managers. So you gotta understand like if Nas picks a beat or whoever picks a beat is based off of how they connect to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's based off of the feeling that they get when they hear that track that in inspires them and encourages them to write, you know, whatever they feel in at that moment, whether it's a hit record or a record that, that tells a story or however it connects with them. So we got to give them the freedom to be able to do that. Now, at the end of the day, as a fan, as a listener, you're not going to love everything uh, an artist does. Like, I don't care who it is. Like, I'm, I'm a huge Notorious B.I.G. fan. I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. Like, there's records on, you know, on those albums that I skip and that I pass, you know, not to say that they're whack. It just may not be my favorite joint on or a joint that I may not connect to. And, and those are hands down, arguably two of the greatest hip hop MCs and artists of all time, but I press skip. <laughs> so it is what it is, man. And I think, I just think if, if, the, if, the, if the tracks that he chose connected with him and he was able to write those records too, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of the hardest. Oh man, I beat, I beat his whack. Well, you know, I didn't really, it connected to him at the end of the day. And we have to be mindful and understand that when artists give us creativity, it's from their lens, it's from their point of view, it's from their heart, mind, body, and soul, right? So when they share that with it, with us, they had to first fall in love with it first. You know what I'm saying? Like he fell in love with it, he loves it, and he presents it to you. So you have a choice. You could either rock with it or you don't, but at least it's my truth. It's how I feel inside and it's the real, you know, it's real of what I'm putting out there on wax. You know what I mean? So I just think that's a different lens to kind of view it from. I, I find that very informative because that's important learning the, behind the creativity, behind the scenes of everything, of how tracks are put together and how artists feel that it'll work with them. And if they can catch a feeling off of it, if they vibe with it, that's going to, that's going to be a hit immediately. Right. Back in the days when you were growing up, what's an album hip hop wise, a classic hip hop album wise that you love the production on? Whew. Definitely There's a big. lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, a big fan, big, big, notorious, uh, a B.I.G. fan, um, Nas, that you brought him up, uh, Naughty by Nature, um, mm. 
KG. Yeah, Known by Nature, um, Premier, you know, mm-hmm. Gangstar. Um, man, I could list so many. Snoop Dogg, you know, Dr. Dre, Chronic Album, uh, Chronic 2001. Um, and even to go back, you know, Michael Jackson, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, the Thriller and, and- Quincy Jones. Yeah, man. So I, I can I can go on forever and ever and ever. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. There's a, there's 100% a lot of them. What one would you love to take part of most out of the ones that you named? If, if you're just going back one day, you're searching through your Apple Music library and, you're, and just thinking to yourself, man, I wish I was able to touch this album and add a little Amadeus flavor to it. I would have loved to work with Big. I would love to work with Big, man. Like, hold on one second, okay? Mm-hmm. This one here. Yeah, I would I would have loved to be on the Big album. Um, just so much creativity, so much swag, so much sauce. Um, another album, 112. 112, the first one, the debut with uh, yeah. Can I See You. Yeah, That's classic. Cupid. Cupid, um, Only You, um, Hypnotize, um, so many I can name. Yeah. <laughs> classics, 100% classics. Now, growing up in the Bronx, originally, this is be- getting into you becoming a drummer, is that during your time, while you were in school, you were absent one day and your music teacher was <laughs> presenting the instruments that, that he had to the class and you were absent the day that they, he was giving out the instruments. And when you came back, the only things that were left were the violin and the drums. Right. Yeah. Um, it sucked, man, because normally my, normally my parents never let me stay home from school um, and they did for this one time. Mm-hmm. And I really learned, wanted to learn how to play the trumpet and how to play the saxophone. Um, and so when I went to school the next day, those slots were taken. Um, and I was really pissed off, man. And the only thing left was violin and percussion. And I grew up in the Bronx. I'm from 169th from Washington Avenue, the nine, a hood, and, and the projects over there. So I was already a target because I was going to school, a Catholic school. So I was dressing up and having to dress up every single day and wear shoes and slacks, shirts and ties. And the last thing I was going to do was add a violin to that. So I was like, I didn't even know what percussion meant, <laughs> but <laughs> I chose that because I, I definitely wasn't going to go with violin and uh, show up the next day in, in class to learn that it had everything to do with rhythm, drums, bongos, kungas, wood blocks, xylophones. And it was pretty cool, man. And Again, I, I didn't have any aspirations or any desire to be a musician. I loved music. I loved hip hop music. I, I really gravitate towards the music side of things. I was a lyrics person, but really the music kind of stuck to me more than the lyrics. Um, and I picked up the drumsticks for the first time and it, the rest was history. Like it, I was a natural at it. My teacher realized that. I realized that the cl- my classmates bugged out. And it was kind of cool because of how the my classmates responded. Like I didn't really think nothing of it, but they were looking at me in awe, like, oh my God, like he plays drums and it's so cool. So I was more inspired by how I wowed everybody and then kind of was pursuing it for that. And then as time went on, I got to really hear if I really applied myself and practice and rehearsed, you know, what I could really sound like as a musician and as a drummer. And that's when the love, um, uh, you know, happened in regards to musicianship. Did you like private school? Because I went to private Catholic school too. I, all I can remember is it's just the bad memories, of course, but it was, it's always hot in a Catholic private school building. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. Um, it was cool. I, didn't, I mean, it, it really forced me to focus. Um, the, thing, the one thing that I hated about it was the fact that I couldn't wear what I wanted to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, was, that was the part that, that sucked. I wore the same thing each and every single day. So I couldn't really show, you know, the swag and wear the kicks and stuff that, you know, everybody was, that went to public school was able to wear. So I was kind of bummed out about that. Um, but I learned also that, you know, my parents were paying for Catholic school for me and my siblings. I didn't know that you had to pay for that until one day, you know, my parents kind of shared it with me when I was wanting like the Jordans or wanting like the Pele Pele or like a North Face. Like I didn't have none of those things because, you know, the finances was going into my education um, and they couldn't pay, you know, tuition for me and my siblings and then rent and food. Like that was my, my tuition. When I was, when I got to high school, tuition for me alone, I think it was like four ninety a month. You know what I'm saying? And crazy. crazy. So you know, I kind of understood it more than when the, the older I got. You know, but as a kid, man, you want to be fly, you want to be fresh, you want to be flashy, and, and it was something that I, I couldn't do. Um, so that was kind of really the only thing that bothered me. I will admit, uh, for high school, I went to an all boys school, Cardinal Hayes High School in the Bronx. And when my pops, you know, told me that that was happening, I was vexed. I was definitely <laughs> vexed. I was like, how can you do this to me, bro? Like, how can you send me to a school with no girls, man? Like, like, come on, man. And, you know, that was my feeling initially. But I tell you what, the best four years of my entire life, like the brotherhood that I gained, you know, the colleagues that I gained, Again, it was no women in there, so you had no choice but to focus on, you know, school and doing the right thing and, and your work and homework and studying because there was no distractions, you know what I'm saying? Um, and again, the best four years of my life, man. So I'm grateful that, you know, my, my pops put his foot down and made me go make me go to that school because I really had a great time and it really molded me into, you know, partially into the musician and the person that I am today in regards to the level of focusness, respect, how I carry myself, how I dressed. Um, how I demand respect from others and how I give respect, how I speak, you know, definitely uh, my, my school and definitely played a major part in that. Do you ever go back in your mind and, and put yourself back into your shoes where you were either in high school, middle school, and you just say to yourself, man, I can't believe I am where I am today. I never would have thought I would have been Amadeus, the big producer that has all these platinum and gold records. Did you ever believe, think that? Believe it or not, man, I, I the dreams that I had as a youngin. And as a kid, were, were so far-fetched. But to me, I believed in every single one of them. Like, I, for some reason, deep down inside, I knew that I would be here today. Um, there was no doubt in my mind. And the thing about it was, first, I believed. And I knew that God had blessed me with this gifts and, and, and talents that I had. And I just wanted to do the right thing with it. But the work that I put in, you know, to get to where I'm at today is, is crucial, um, you know. I lost a lot of friends, I lost girlfriends, you know, homeboys, you know, family, because I was that committed to, you know, the music. I was that committed to creating and I didn't wanna go hang out. I didn't wanna do anything regular. I didn't wanna hang out with my friends. I just wanted to stay in the studio, which is in my home and, and create and create and create because that was the only way that I knew that I would become better at what I do in my craft. Um, so I, yeah, I, I knew that I would be here. Um, it, it does, it is mind blowing. You know, it is it is amazing. Um, I do sit back and have moments like, oh, snap. Like, not from disbelief, but like, yo, this is it's the real deal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is this is this is this is the real deal. Um, you know, so yeah, man, it's a blessing, it's a great feeling. 
Um, and, and just for those that are tuned in, you know, it, it just goes to show you that, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to, you know, you're, you know, I'm from the bottom, I'm from the hood, I'm from st statistically speaking, you know, I'm supposed to be dead, I'm supposed to be locked up, I'm supposed to be in jail. Um, I'm not supposed to be in the position that I'm in today. Uh, but obviously, you know, you don't have to be a statistic, man, you can, you can prove, you know, whoever thinks, whatever they think wrong. Um, and that's, that's pretty much what I did in my, with my career. Mm -hmm. From the point of when you started playing the drums all the way up to when you started going to church and you started getting involved there, that's where you were introduced into the drum machine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, I just, I, I didn't really know that when it came to um, producing that a lot of it had to do with, you know, drum machines and synthesizers and keyboards, you know, I thought it was just live, you know, but as you learn the sound of live drums, you notice like, nah, that, that can't be live, you know? So then I started really understanding and appreciating samples and digging and listening to records and old records and getting sounds and getting drum sounds and, you know, getting keyboards, which had various uh, uh, instrument sounds and stuff like that, man. So yeah, it was kind of a cool experience, man. I used to go to uh, Sam Ash, which is a music store um, in White Plains and you know they will allow allow you to play all the instruments and mess around. You could stay in there all you could stay in there all day if you want, um, and that's what I would do, just kind of experimenting and and figuring things out musically. Um, but yeah, that's 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 pretty much how it came together. And church, church was everything for me, man. Um, it, it it's really where I developed as a musician and as a as a as a producer. Like I say, it's where I got my sauce and my swag, um, and 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 my understanding for music that is no rules. It's, it's, it's you know, play what's in your heart, play what's in your mind, play what's in your spirit, play what's in your soul, you know, and, and that can't be taught. You know, that's something that you're born with and you develop as time goes as a musician and as a producer, man. So I'm, you know, grateful to my church. Shout out to the Cathedral That Greater Faith, which is my church home, my bishop, my late bishop and pastor, Michelle White, uh, my, my musician colleague, my brother, Soup. Rest in peace, Derek Gago, uh, Gabo, Scott Van Putten, rest in peace. Uh, these are some of the musicians that I played alongside in my church, my man Butters and uh, Steve Styles and Ricky and uh, Nate, Brian. These are, you know, these are my brothers that I've been playing alongside with for years, all my life. Um, that have that have also went on and do great things in music from a production sense uh, and a musicianship sense as well. It, it's fair to say that Amadeus is one of the last real producers because you had to actually find your sound. You had to make your sound. Nowadays, kids can just pull up a produce an app on their laptop, Logic, and there you go. You put the, the drum loops together and there's a beat. What, what would you say is the Amadeus sound? It's really hard to say, man, because there's a lot of them. There's a, yeah, I, you know, I'm from New York. I'm from the Bronx, like I said. Um, but, you know, when you think about my credits, you know, yes, I produced for 50 Cent and G-Unit and Dipset and, uh, J Lo, you know, Foxy Brown, and J Lo, and French Montana, right? But then I also, you know, work with Jeezy and Ti, and Young Jock and Gorilla Zoe. You know, man, I also work with the Game. You know what I'm saying? And and Lil Easy E, and and uh, you know, and then from R&B side, Chris Brown, Trey Songz, Justin Bieber, Keisha Cole, Danny Kane. So as you can see, I have a wide range, a variety of music of of sounds. So you know, I've never, I never, honestly, respectfully speaking. I've never been a fan or wanting to create one sound so that people would know it's me once a record or once a track came on. Like I wanted to be the opposite of that. I wanted to shock them every time. Like, oh snap, Amadeus did that record? Dad, I didn't know he can create that. I didn't know he had those type of vibes too. So I always wanted to challenge myself 
and 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 shock the fans and shock the world with what I was capable of doing. So I can't really say personally I have a sound. A lot of people say, you know, they can recognize me from my drums or my drum patterns, you know, from time to time. Uh, but if you ask me, man, I, you know, no rules, definitely can't <laughs> box me in. I'm all over the place with it. Now for the JLo record, she called you for same girl. She gave me, she gave you a phone call and you hung up the first time she called because you didn't believe it. <laughs> Dude, I was in shock. Cause I'm like, why would JLo be calling me directly? Like why, why wouldn't her team call me like her manager or her publicist or like, I don't know her A&R like, so it just kind of caught, caught me off guard. I'm like, hello. She's like, hello, can speak out of days. I'm like speaking. I'm like, who's, who's calling? This is Jen. I'm like, Jen who? Jennifer Lopez, JLo. I was like, whatever like the cool part is that she called back like you know this is whole j-lo man i you know so she called back it was like no for real this is jennifer i'm calling because you know we're working on the same girl record and there's a few things that i want to happen in the track and i just kind of wanted to share it with you and i'm sitting there like whoa this is her you know and she's like yeah i just wanted to call you directly you know, to kind of give you my vision, you know, I, you know, no one can share my vision, like how I can share my vision. So I kind of, I'm very hands-on like that. And, you know, I just wanted to reach out to you directly myself. And I'm just still sitting there like, <laughs> you know, so she told me what she wanted musically. Um, and she's like, you know, how soon can you get that back? I'm like, uh, 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 today, I, 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 I could do, do it right now, like, like right away. She's like, okay, cool. You know, you know, we're, we're all working on it right now, but you know, if you can get to it today, cool. If not, you know, just maybe first thing tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 make it just today. Um, worked on it, sent it to her, and she's like, yep, this is it. Exactly how I wanted it. Um, she invited me to the video shoot. I'm gonna shoot a video to this. You, can, you know, I'm gonna shoot it in the Bronx, guerrilla style. You know, you can you can you know can pull up, come hang out, whatever. And I'm like blown away, man. And that was an amazing opportunity. And Chris Brown actually orchestrated that um he wrote the song yeah he got called in to work alongside her he had a folder of tracks of mine he pulled up my folder played a bunch of beats um she picked you know that track uh, that was produced by myself uh, and uh, ryan ryan tedder and, and chizzy my boy chizzy and the rest was history man showed up to the video the most humble person you'll ever meet man she, she was walking around no security just kind of like her and her glam squad and they was like yeah just let her know you're here i'm like me walk up to her she's like yeah she's really cool don't worry about it i'm like what <laughs> um and she's like starting to walk on set and i'm like you know hey hey mrs lopez this is amadeus and she's like oh my god and like runs over and <laughs> gives me a great a huge hug and she's like i'm i'm walking to the set why don't you walk with me walk into the set with her she gets out there she introduces me to the entire set like this is amadeus he produces the record everybody's showing some love and i'm just like it's a whole jennifer lopez bro but that's crazy. Just an amazing person, man. It just goes to show you, man, you could be the, you know, and you, she's hand down one of the biggest female artists and entertainers of all time, especially for, from a female, um, definitely the queen in the Bronx, you know, nothing to talk about there and just amazing. So for her to be that humble and, and, and so warm and loving, um, you know, was, was epic, man. And we've stayed in contact ever since. I came, went to a bunch of her, a bunch of her shows and, hung out backstage in a dressing room with her and her family and just a one. So shout out to JLo, man, a real one right there. That goes to show you, she stayed true to her song and don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. She's still Jenny from, Jenny the, from block. the block. Yeah. Real <laughs> talk. Real talk.
That's that's insane, man. That's a wonderful story. Is that a record that you hold yourself true to yourself very personally? You may get emotional by it, or could it be the Justin Bieber record? Because I mean, these are huge artists that you're working with. Right. Crazy. Yeah, I think you know J Lo is definitely special to me, man. Um, with us both being from the Bronx, um, like I said, you know she she's she's a legend all around the world, and especially the Bronx, man. She she's from the Bronx, so everybody's from the Bronx just have a different love and, and appreciation and respect for her because we know what it is coming from the Bronx because we're from the Bronx, right? So I probably, she's from Castle Hill. Um, so that's probably about maybe about 10 to 15, 20 minutes depending on traffic from where I grew up at. Um, another rough neighborhood, you know, pretty tough. Um, you know, so definitely that, that, that definitely means, you know, to world, the world to me to have that opportunity to work alongside her. Um, Justin Bieber as well, I'm glad you named that too. Uh, it's a Christmas song, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Uh, also written by you know Chris Brown, um, so that's special because at the end of the day, it's it's, it's, it's something that comes around every year, um, you know. And for those Justin Bieber fans who love that record, you know, every time Christmas Eve comes about, you know, they play that song and, and they play that record, which is monumental just from a from a, a vibe sense, but then also from a financially financial point too. Whereas, you know, them royalty checks and them publishing checks come in, you know what I mean. Uh, every year after after that after Christmas and Christmas Eve so yeah you know I mean I think each and every moment if I had to break it down serves a special place you know in my heart because it's all my work it's all my blood sweat and tears um, and for tracks of mine uh, and collabos of mine to be chosen uh, by some of the greatest artists you know in the game um, is, is, is very humbling and it's something that you know I'm very appreciative of. You've also had the chance to work with Tony Sunshine, as people know, he's from the Terror Squad. Imagine yes, if, if, if <laughs> what a legendary R&B singer from the from the Terror Squad. Imagine yes, if you sir. you had the opportunity to produce for Pun, and he was able to just spit all those bars on an Amadeus record. Dude, that would have been legendary, man. That would have been legendary, and you know, grateful that he we we was able to have him for as long as we did have him as an artist and as an MC. Um, hand down, hands down, one of the greatest, again, especially from the Bronx. Um, just different, unique, own style, you know, sounded like no one, you know, and no mm -hmm. one is able to sound like him. Um, so salute to him, man. Rest in peace, Pun would have loved that, man. And Fat Joe is also another one of my heroes, you know, especially from being from the Bronx. I used to go stand in front of Halftime, which was his clothing store in the Bronx, just to see if I could see him. And I was successful on a few days, you know, <laughs> to actually see him. I didn't even want to say nothing. I just well, watch him from afar. And I'm like, yo, man, that's Fat Joe. You know, so salute to everybody from the Bronx, man. That's that's doing great things, that that paved the way. Salute to the legends, Grandmaster Mel, Grandmaster Melly Mel, uh, Flash, Fears Five, and, you know, Kid Capri. It was so many people from the Bronx. Buck Wilds from the Bronx. Um, Laura Finesse, you know, digging a whole digging a crazy crew. Like we could go on and on from Remy Ma, um, you know, King Amadeus, you know. Yeah. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be from the boogie now, man. Yeah, if it wasn't from the from the Bronx, see, this rap this rap wouldn't be here. Peter Guns, Laura Tyreek, you know. You know what I'm where I was going with that. I had to keep yes, it clean. Uptown baby, <laughs> uptown baby. Oh, that's classic. KRS One, you know, it's so many. I don't want, man, I don't want to get started. Stop forget people, man. KRS One, Bookie Down Production, D Nice. Sheesh, we can go on and on and on, man. Classic. And, and rest in peace to Scott LaRock, too. He's another yes. one of the, yes, the creators and innovators in the Bronx yes, scene of hip hop, too. That's yes, 
that's another legend in the game. That's all that comes out of the Bronx is legends and legends and legends. And I would love to have your opinion on how the sound has changed production wise from, especially from New York, because I don't have a problem when, when the trap sound is coming from Florida. My problem is when, when these New York artists hop on that trap sound, because our, our roots are the boom bap sound. We love right. that. And that, that's something that interests me when you were working with Dave, because I feel as though Dave still upholds that tradition. Yeah. This is New York. He's not going to jump on, a trap beat and make that his sound. He's gonna he'll jump on it and body it. Right. But his sound is is Harlem. It's New York. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, again, I think you you gotta be a I get what you're saying, and, and it's so true. And I was very stubborn as a producer when it came time to kind of broaden my horizons and tap into, you know, other type of sounds. Um, but I think that's what makes it cool when a creative can do anything. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Even though it was, it was boom bap, sounds and styles changes, you know, um, you know, and you got to be able to adapt, you know, to that style, to that sound uh, when it changes, you know, especially if you want to be relevant. You know, you think about all of the true. drill music that's happening right now. A lot of people are making drill music. It's not my cup of tea. I haven't tapped into that. It's just not something that I, I want to make, you know, with all due respect. Um, but, you know, it's cool that people can change their style up and try something unique and try something different. Listen, at the end of, at the, end of the day, everybody wants to win, um, you know? So, you know, boom, bap, unfortunately, ain't on the top of the charts, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and you know, and if you want to be successful and, 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 you, and, and financially stable and you want to win, you know, you got to, you kind of got to be able to adapt, you know what I mean? So it, it, it is what it is. So it's no knock to anybody that, you know, taps into that. I think it's kind of cool when artists can kind of, you know, show different layers and, and adversity, you know what I mean? Uh, but I do get what you're saying in regards to people from New York just trying to make a whole trap album. Like if we're going to take a, a record or two, get the Migos on and a little baby or the baby and do your thing, cool. You know, cause they super on fire right now, but you know, don't make a whole album, you know, with that sound, especially if you represent Brooklyn, New York, Queens, Staten Island, or Manhattan, you know, or the, or the Bronx, you know what I mean? Like you gotta, gotta keep the essence somehow, some way. Yeah, we got to have that New York sound in there some, somehow, some way, as you said. I want to get into you meeting Trey Songs because you're his music director and tour drummer. And, yes, and with COVID now, are you guys going to be ready to perform soon again? Because I hear that the, the performances are starting to open back up a little bit. I'm seeing artists post tour dates. Do you guys have anything lined up? Uh, not at the moment, uh, but hopefully, you know, things are things will start coming together, man. It's definitely been over a year. And I actually posted this, I think, Sunday. Um, since, which was yesterday, <laughs> um, <laughs> since I touched drums, man, like not even like picked up the drum sticks. Um, and it was funny, I was talking to one of my colleagues, uh, my, my brothers and colleague, musician colleagues of mine, my brother Keon Harold, And I'm like, yo, I don't even know if I know how to play drums no more, man. It's been that long. And he's like, nah, it's second nature, bro. It's like riding a bike. You know, you don't touch a bike for years or in your adulthood, you know, you, the last time you touched the bike was when you was a kid. And then when you get on the bike, it's like if you was, you know, just rode yesterday. So um, I'm looking back, you know, I'm looking forward to returning back to doing what I love. Um, it's a great thing performing and being on stage amongst Trey songs and my musician brothers and just creating an epic performance and, 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 and experience for the fans that show up, you know, to hear their favorite songs and, and just to kind of get away from life and, and the hardships and just enjoy themselves in concert. So I can't wait to, you know, I get that call and we get that call to return to the stage and, 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 and do our thing. And I'm still gonna be safe, man, because this thing is still out here running crazy and still killing people. Maybe it's not as, as much as it was before, but it's still out here, man. And we gotta really keep our guards up 
and protect ourselves as much as possible uh, and be on point. Because like I said, this COVID thing is still out here. Yeah, it still is. And are you someone that is for getting the vaccine? Um, not at the moment. Um, I, I, I do feel like there's not enough information on it. Um, there's not enough information to me. There's not enough answers, like concrete answers um, from of questions that I have, of questions that I've seen other people ask. Like, you know, like them saying, uh, you can get the vaccine, right? But you still can, you know, get the virus and still spread the virus. Um, you know, which is kind of like, well, what's the point, right? But then the other, I guess the other, the, 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 the pros to it is, if you do get the vaccine, they're saying, you know, you won't, uh, it won't be as lethal as it is, or you won't, you know, pass away or have to be hospitalized because of the symptoms and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just feel like it's not enough information. I've been, went this long, which is over a year of protecting myself and, and keeping myself well. I've never, thank God, uh, have gotten the virus um, and, uh, and my household as well, my family. Thank God. Um, thank God. Amen. And so I'm just going to continue to do what I've been doing, protecting myself, keeping my hands clean, keeping my distance, mask on, you know, when, I, when, I, when I'm around anyone um, and, and, you know, keep frequently getting tested just to make sure I'm cool. And I'm just going to keep moving, you know, moving forward like that. And I think with us experiencing, experiencing this and the way we've experienced it, I kind of feel like it's something that I will implement for the rest of my life. Um, just being a little bit more aware of, 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 of my cleanliness, you know what I'm saying? And, and what I've subject myself to, because the, the fact that in a year I haven't gotten sick whatsoever says a lot from, I'm talking about like a normal cold and, you know, and I work out, I work out when it's a little nippy, you know, I work out and sweat and stuff like that, I ride my bike. And, you know, normally that's, you know, you would think that that's what be ways, uh, we were raised that that's what, that's, those are ways that you can get yourself sick. But I've learned it's like, nah, and, and, and you get yourself sick from bacteria, like, and nine times out of 10 bacteria being on your hands and it goes in your mouth or it goes in your nose, just like the virus goes in your eyes and next thing you know, you're sick. So it's just amazing that I haven't been sick whatsoever in over a year. And like I said, it's just, it, it showed me a lot. I learned a lot from this virus. It showed me a lot from this virus about myself and about the world and just cleanliness in general. And even when it's back to normal, you know, I'm just going to continue to carry myself this way and just be, you know, make sure my hygiene is on point and just be aware, more aware. Cause I was definitely oblivious before I was dabbing a hundred people at events and then going, getting a slice of pizza and licking each and every single one of my fingers after <laughs> Like, I don't, you don't think, you know, you ain't thinking of that, bro. No. But now it's like, never again. Like I haven't, lick, I haven't licked my fingers since <laughs> this thing came about. And it's like, I have no intentions like yeah. of doing it because it's like, ugh, you know what I mean? Yeah, you got to put the, the gloves on to shake hands, dap people up. Then you go to get your pizza. No, I'm not going to eat it right there on the spot. You put it in the box. I go home, wash my hands, then eat it. <laughs> It's a process, bro. <laughs> uh, it's a much longer process, but it, it's much needed now, especially everything going on. And thank God that you haven't been sick and anyone in your family has, and that's important. Amen. And, you For know, sure. just, just keep staying in. But during your time during COVID, I mean, you, you've been able to create an own IG live show. I saw that you had Capone on when you had Capone on last year. Capone's very close with me. He's been on my show a few times. And just nice. how's it been to, to share just stories and have legends on your show? Red Man's came through. Who are some other people that you were surprised that came through the show and that you've been able to share your time with and share yeah. stories and communicate with? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, had Capone on, had uh, Redman on, had Sway, 
Miss Wayne in the Morning had mm-hmm. Eric Sermon, Big Daddy Kane, Dougie Fresh, Kelly Price, Carl Thomas, Slim of 112, um, Darius McCrary, who plays Eddie Winslow in uh, mm-hmm. Family Matters, Malcolm Jamal Warner, who plays Theo in The Cosby Show, who are so many, dude. Um, who else? I'm missing a bunch, but man, epic, epic, epic. And all I wanted to do, you know, Melly Mel, I had Grandmaster Melly Mel on there. All I wanted to do was give them their roses, man. You know, really just celebrate them um, and, and and just share how much of, of a hero they are to me and how much they mean to me and, and what they've done and how they inspired me in my career musically. That was pretty much all it was. Like, it really wasn't a show. I just jumped on with the time that I had being that I was home and inside and wasn't able to tour and travel and work. And I just had a bunch of time on my hand. I'm like, man, I need to do something productive with this uh so why not have these conversations and, and inspire the world and inspire the people while at the same time you know giving my heroes their roses so that's pretty much what the thought process was it was amazing I learned so much I learned so many backstories so many moments um that were epic that I didn't know um and and it was epic man and you know rest in peace to the legend DMX yes crazy because I actually and I know he wasn't the type that you know really check his DMs and stuff like that but I I sent him a DM. I sent him a DM, you know, I think in like February, March, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out, wanting to have a moment with him on IG Live. And, you know, I know uh, the great Bismarck, he has is, 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 is been dealing with some illness recently. Um, I was trying to get it right after I had Big Daddy Kane on, I was trying to get Bismarck Bismarck. on because the story that, that Big, da- uh, Big Daddy Kane shared, you know, um, and um, uh, Dougie Fresh, you know, both had both had Bismarck Key in it, man. So I really wanted to show love and highlight him. And then unfortunately, you know, he got he got ill, man. But um, and it's it's, it's still some people that I want to get on. It's still some people that I haven't gotten on yet. Who are some people you're looking forward to getting on? Uh, I want to I want to get Yandy Yandy Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know her for loving hip hop, and you know, um, you know her husband Mendeecees, and but she's a beast from a business sense, bro. Like she managed mm-hmm. Jim Jones for a long time. You know, when Dipset was at its biggest point. Um, so we worked alongside one another for a lot of that because I worked with Dip J- Jim Jones and Dipset a lot. And she made sure I was straight on the business end so many times, man. It just just made a lot of key plays ha- happen. And a lot of people don't know that side of her. So I just kind of wanted to share that side with her. So that um, I had reached out to uh, Rod Digger. I wanted mm-hmm. to get Rod Digger on. Um, Fat Joe is, is someone that I, would, I really want to get on as my hero, man. Um, Slick Rick is another person I would love to get on. Just the greats, bro. Um, would love to have Swiss on. Would love to have Timberland on. Um, just to name a few. You know, I was trying to get Maya on. The schedules didn't allow. Um, and at, at, at a certain point, she stopped doing them, the interviews. Um, but she was actually on my list uh, to have it on as, as, as an interview. I was trying to get Foxy, um, <laughs> you know, you know, which is very difficult. Um, but she's open to it. She's open to it. Which, which is pretty cool to me. Um, it's fine. So she, did, she didn't turn it down. She, it's, I think it's a timing thing. So Foxy, I was trying to get, so I was trying to get Young M.A. and Davies, you know, since we work together and stuff like that. So um, I haven't reached out in the next one minute. So maybe maybe I'll uh, I'll try it again. Maybe the timing of it wasn't right. Busta Rhymes, it's, 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 man, I can go on and on. There's a lot of <laughs> Yeah, bro, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, but I like what you do what you do with the shows, too. You play their songs while you're doing it, especially with the Capone. I noticed that you did that on that show. You're playing his songs, giving his flowers, because a lot of these shows on these mainstream New York hip-hop stations, they don't give their flowers to the hip-hop right. legends, and that's where the, the discord between the old and the new generation comes in, and that's 
Right. You can't have that. You need to right. have the, there's got to be a bridge to that gap. Right. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I, I wanted to kind of show them what the, the songs that I loved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when I was playing Red Man and Joints, he's like, get out of here with this. You don't know. I'm like, bruh, come on, man. I have Muddy Waters cassette tape, bro. Like, <laughs> don't, don't play with me, man. Like I had KG on. We was playing the Naughty by Nature records and other records he produced for Big and other artists, man. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, Next and yeah, John Coffee, John A, bro. Like he's like, wow. So a lot of them are blown away. Like Dougie Fresh was super impressed. Like, nah, bro. Like, Come on, man. I know, I know Lottie Dottie. Like, come on, man. Like you yeah. a slick Rick, bro. Like, so yeah, it's, it's just a moment to just, you know, give them praise and thanks, man, for all that they've done in the game. Absolutely. Lottie Dottie. That's what, uh, when Slick Rick was on there at MC Ricky D. Sheesh. <laughs> crazy. He's, crazy. <laughs> he, he's one, he's one of the greatest of all time. Just the, the great adventures of Slick Rick, that album. That's a top five hip hop album of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, just it's, from it's a storytelling aspect, yeah, too. Yeah, like you felt like you were there. You felt like you were literally watching a movie, you know, as he told those stories. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Speaking of interviews and placements, will there be an Amadeus Drake track in the future? I think that's that's an ultimate goal, dude. I've been trying so hard, man. Um, and what's what's crazy is. And I gotta see, I maybe I gotta buy a battery. Cause you know, back in the day you had the, the Blackberry, the Tom ports. Oh yeah. I gotta pull those out and see if I can find them, like buy batteries to those, man. Because dude, the messages and stuff that I had in those phones, like I used to send Drake beats when we had MySpace, you know, to just date myself, man. And he blew up and, you know, I ran into him a few times you know, we brought him out uh, on tour with Trey. Um, so, we, you know, I ran into him a few times and, and, and was able to connect with him and, you know, the people around him. Um, but when you reach, when you reach that level of success, man, it's, it's, it becomes, oh, and I don't like to use this word, but this is how it felt, but this is how it feels. It almost becomes impossible, like, <laughs> to make it happen, to like kind of cut through and get through to them and really be seen and heard, man, because it's this the top of the, it's the top dog, it's the top dude, you know, but one thing I've always will be is optimistic and positive and keep trying so that at the end of the day, if it works, you know, hip hop parade, if it doesn't, at least, at least I can walk away from it knowing that I put my best foot forward and I tried any and everything possible from a positive standpoint to make it happen. And if it's, if it's not what God has for me in my journey and my path, you know, and if it doesn't align, uh, then regardless of what I feel, you know, I guess it's, it's not meant to be, you know what I mean? So if it's mm-hmm. meant to be, I, you know, it'll come together in due time, it'll all align, but if it's not, you know, it is what it is. I think, I think eventually it'll happen because it, there's going to be a time when, when Drake's time is up, even though he's the top dog right now, he starts sinking and then, you know, then that's when he's going to become more available. And that's if you can't get through to him now, you're definitely going to get through to him when he starts falling down here. Because yeah, that's no, no one's you're right, man. It's a big point, you know, and, and not that we wish him that we wish him. No, no, we wish him to stay on top. But yeah, life doesn't does just, life doesn't happen that way. You know, it, it, you hot, you have your moments, you know, and then you cool off a little bit. You know what I mean? Because there's other people out here and other creators that that are creating greatness as well. And, um, you know, you got to share the spotlight. You got it. You gotta, you gotta share the moments, you know what I'm saying? So not always will you have the high moments and be on top. You know, somebody got somebody else, somebody else gotta come in first place. You know what I mean? That's right. You're exactly right, man. And just getting into how do you feel 
by actually being an actual musician gives you an edge in being a music producer, especially in today's main scene. I mean, you just, you're just able to, to hear things different. Like your ear works different. Like your, your understanding of music, right? And the theory and, uh, you know, there are, some, there are some right or wrong things in music based off of it feeling good or sounding good. You could definitely hit a wrong key. Um, but I do feel like there's no rules when it comes to creativity. You know what I mean? Like there's no right or wrong. If it feels good, it feels good. Um, so from a musician lens, it's definitely taken me over the top and it's kind of given me a cheat code in a way, excuse me, on creativity because of what I'm hearing um, in my head musically, you know what I mean? So I feel, I definitely feel it's an advantage, but you know, there's a lot of musicians and producers out here or producers out here that are not musicians that don't, aren't classically trained or went to school for it, that just have dope ears themselves and can't play a song, you know, musically, but can articulate and can get out whatever they hear on the inside out on track, man. So salute to those people that are able to do that as well. Um, because not every not every dope producer are players, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but if you're able to master, you know, your niche and, and find your space and, and do you do what you do, again, to me, it's, it's no rules when it comes to that. No, there, there isn't at all. Most importantly is the fact that you were able to create sounds for TV. I mean, we're talking scores for ESPN's first take, VH1, Burger King, Sprite commercials. You were able to cross over. And actually, when you think of the royalties, you profit the most off of that, which is crazy. And people wouldn't realize that. You think of a hit record with Justin Bieber, that would just be out of this world. But it's the royalties that come from these first take and even scores from commercials. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. it's kind of like the on, the ongoing check, man. You know what I mean? Like ESPN, you know, being uh, shout out to ESPN and ESPN Music, Kevin Wilson over there, Claude Mitchell and every the whole team. Um, they're amazing, man. You know, even though I created the first take theme song, which plays every day, multiple times a day, <laughs> you know, there's some scoring that I've done as well that also plays throughout the show. Um, you and know, and even in Monday Night Football. Yeah, Monday Night Football. Yeah, it's it's been a really cool experience with ESPN. I'm forever grateful to have the opportunity to, to be able to score, you know, and, and see my favorite athletes do their thing to, you know, sometimes hear my music in the background. It's a, it's a great feeling. Um, but yeah, man, the ASCAP checks be coming in, you know, quarterly. And like you said, at the top of the list, it's always, you know, those ESPN tracks that are playing every day, you know, multiple times a day all around the world. Um, so it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's definitely crazy. <laughs> I want to hear the story about Diddy signing you to the Bad Boy Hitman Producers crew. Dude, legendary. For me, I would argue with anybody if they would say they were more of a Puff Daddy fan than me, like especially growing up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like my sister, man, like my whole family can vouch the curly hair. Still got the curly hair, like the curly hair. You know, I have the, 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 the part in, in the center that's natural. You know, I used to wear the shades and to do the shiny you have the suits. Shiny suits, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I went to church. I had a, yo. I went to church on Easter Sunday one year in an orange, like a tangerine orange suit. The whole suit. Wow. The whole suit was tangerine, bro. Like I just loved colors. I just loved to shine bright like a diamond. I wasn't ashamed. Like that was just me. So, you know, of course, I I, I was inspired by him musically and from a business sense and and everything that he's built with the whole Bad Boy Empire. Um, so it was a dream of mine to one day be a Bad Boy Hitman, man. And, and Bad Boy Hitman are the producers that are a part of his team and the producers that are man- managed by Bad Boy. And, you know, that was a dream come true for me, man. So people would always ask me like, yo, you, you was already on, like Amadeus was already who he is. 
like, why would you, you know, be a part of Bad Boy? And I'm like, bro, that's like going to the Bulls, bro. That's like being drafted to the Bulls, bro, where, you know, Puff is Phil Jackson and, you know, Big is, you know, Biggie is, uh, you know what I mean? Michael Jordan, Jordan yeah. <laughs> Mace, BJ Armstrong and Faith Evans, you know, Tony Kukoc, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, cause I had already built a name for myself. I had already produced for 50 artists at that time. And, right. you know, I was like, nah, this is a chance. This is something that I've, as a child, as a kid, dreamt of being and dreamt of being a part of. So, and for me to be selected and chosen to be such a part of such an elite team of champions and of championships, it's like, it's an honor. It's a privilege, man. So when it came, when it came about, I was just like, wow, this is, you know, I'm truly living my dreams, man. And, you know, just being a part of his imprint, you know, me being a bad boy hitman is something that I'll hold on to title wise forever. You know, I still use that still to this day because it's something that I earned and, you know, you'll forever remember bad boy and bad boy hitman producers, you know what I'm saying? From, from all of the hits that were created, man. So like I said, dream come true, honored to be in his presence and, see him work on various projects and just to see his work ethic in general. Like I remember when he told me like, yeah, I'm about to start, I'm, I'm about to start this, uh, you know, this, this, this TV network called Revolt. Like I sit right there to hear him say that. And now, you know, to be able to look at the channel and it's doing amazing things and it's rock. And, you know, when he had Sean John clothing line and the music and I'm like, yo, the, 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 the perfume and the cologne, it's like, dude, <laughs> everything he touches just turns to gold, well, like, and everything he does is just incredible. Like, from the Sean John Velours and his actual colognes really smelled good, like where you really liked it and just didn't wear it because it was him, but like it really smelled good. Like, and the music was, you know, it's just genius, man. Just a true genius, man. One of the greatest of all time. And Absolutely. the fact that he recognized you, you know, you're on your way, 100%, working with major artists over 100 major artists over a hundred we're talking major and with Trey songs and getting back to him and working with him you know how is it with him on tour and being able to see how he creates music in his own space I mean it's dope uh you know Trey and I linked up after his first album uh, we was in the studio I was working on a record called I Know mm-hmm. um no not I Know what was it called um I know no it is called I Know yeah called I Know <laughs> um and if and it was Mike Jones featuring Trey songs and we was in a studio and in the studio, there was a drum set. Um, and I'm like, y'all play drums, man. And it's like, you don't play no drums, bro. I was like, trust me, like I, I'm a musician first, I play drums. And they didn't believe me. And I just left it as it is. I never got on, I didn't play anything that night. I just put it out there. Um, I told Trey, I was like, listen, man, the music you making, bro, like you're gonna need a live band. You know what I'm saying? And when you do, holla at me. You know, I would love, you know, to put that band together for you and be that guy. And I just kind of put that out there. You know, we went our separate ways and a year goes past and I get a phone call from his manager. Like, yo, you ready to put a band together for Trey? I was like, who, me? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I was like, no. He's like, well, you told Trey and Trey heard you. <laughs> and Trey told me to find you and track you down. And, you know, he wants you to be the music director. And for me, I never did that before. I, I play drums, but I don't know about organizing a band and being the leader and you know, so I tried to pass it off to my brother Butters, who who was already a music director for Case and Casey and JoJo and Leela James. And so he was like, nah, bro, like, how do you think I got to where I'm at today? Like, I didn't know what I was doing and they gave me a chance and we grew together. He's like, so I think you should take the job. You know, I'll be a keyboard player. 
you know, anything you need, you know, I, I'll show you the way, bro, behind closed doors, you know what I'm saying? And yo, that was 14 years ago. Um, so it was a moment of Trey never having a band before, me never putting one together and us coming together and growing together, you know what I mean? And, and putting it together and being side by side and making it happen with one another, you know, the whole time, man. And like I said, that was 14 years ago. Uh, we've told almost the entire world from, you know, all of the United States to Europe and um, Asia and, you know, Australia and Africa. And, <laughs> you know, man, it's, it's crazy how just me saying, yo, I play drums and putting it out there into the universe, how it come around full circle. And I dreamt of playing mass. I dreamt of wanting to play Madison Square Garden, you know, and did that five times. You know, I, you know, I'm a New York Giants fan. You know, we played MetLife five times at Summer Jam in front of 60,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, we played Staples Center, you know what I'm saying? Home of the late Kobe Bryant and Shaq. And, you know, so it's just, it's just, it's just crazy, bro. It's just crazy, man. And, and as I tell it and I share it, it's just amazing just to hear it and, and to be like, wow, like that really did happen. You know what I mean? So, you know, you, you, you got to put the work in, you got to believe. Um, Cause just like this is able to happen, you know, for me, it could happen for everyone else too. You know, and there's enough space, there's enough opportunities, there's enough open doors. There's enough money, money being made. It's money made, new money made every day, you know, for everybody to shine and to be successful and to be great. Were you at the tour? I believe it was the Between the Seats store. I'm pretty sure you were probably there when he brought out yeah. R. Kelly and Keith Sweat. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yep, yep. Yeah, man. Legendary. And, you know, uh, that's a part of my job, too, as a music director, kind of like orchestrate and, and figure out who's going where and when to bring them out and how much of a song we're going to do and keeping track of time, you know, cause you're given a certain time, you know, for the whole show and, you know, for the Chris Brown between the sheets tour, we were going back and, back and forth one, one another. So mm -hmm. I would, we would have 20, Chris would have 20, you know, so you gotta make sure you're on time, you're ending on time so that everything just stays on point um, from a schedule sense. So yeah, that was legendary, man. That was legendary. It was, was kind of weird with that because for that tour, the band wasn't on stage. Uh, we was wow. behind the stage like in scaffolds behind the stage playing because of how the stage was designed, you know, uh, with Chris and Trey, like, you know, the lights and, and just be, it being a crazy stage, it couldn't fit the band and all the dancers and stuff like that. So we ended up being not, you know, you, you didn't see us, but you heard us. Um, <laughs> and that was the first time ever performing and not being on stage, man. So it was crazy. Like the family coming to the tour and the shows and they can hear you, you know, but they can't see you as they used to, man. So that part sucked. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, for the show, you know, you know, you got to make sacrifices sometimes to, to give the people and, and the fans and the audience the best experience. And I do feel like that show and that tour was epic. So I'm not mad at uh, not being on the stage. The other dope part was we didn't have to have any wardrobe. So <laughs> your boys back there with shorts, pajamas. We had costumes on oh. back there, like uh, and undies, like, yo. <laughs> The dares that was happening was crazy. Like we was we was wilding out back there because you couldn't see us. So we was uh, we was all kind of stuff happening. <laughs> wow, that, that's just iconic. That whole tour and then R. Kelly and Keith Sweat coming out and just you know because those were the two figureheads of the '90s and it's now you got Trey Song, Chris Brown are the two figureheads right now. Right, right, absolutely. History, absolutely. history was made right there. Were you around Trey when he was making? Because Trey's been in movies too, so I, I believe he was in the Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yeah. Yep. Were you around Trey during that time too? Yeah, he was. Yeah, we was. We was. I was working alongside him when he did that movie, and um, I was working alongside when he did Blood, Blood Brother, Blood Brother, which was the one that he actually starred in, mm -hmm. um, and was able to go to the screening 
for that and see it, you know, before it came out and before it was released. Yeah, man. So yeah, we, we actually talked about it too. I was like, yo, them scary scenes, man. Like he's like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a little, it'd be a little crazy. I go, lie. <laughs> they do create that energy of like, it'd be, it'd be it really going down. So, you know, d- definitely proud of him for having those experiences, uh, you know, on the screen. That's legendary. It's legendary that you even, you know, took part in his movie career too and yeah. being alongside him. That's, that's insane. And the fact that everything that you've done and without your, throughout your career with production, just everything, man, what projects are you working on in the near future? you got your own company, your own label, everything. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just kind of getting back to, you know, to, to normal, honestly. Um, you know, like you said, hopefully things will get open again so I can get back to the stage and perform with Trey and also being in Las Vegas at Dre's nightclub uh, with my residency out there uh, as a drummer. Um, but yeah, man, I got a lot of stuff. We've been working with Jordan Sparks, um, T.I., um, who else? Uh, uh, Jake Miller, uh, Austin Mahone, um, Fab, Keisha Cole, Chris Brown, you know, so got a lot of records in the works, um, you know, and, and just, you know, just trying to get back to some sense of normalcy, man. Um, so definitely looking, looking forward to that. A lot of teaching too. I've been doing a lot of teaching, a lot of educating, educating the students on the music business and spoke at NYU a few times virtually, uh, PS55, been working with uh, Windows of Hip Hop, an amazing organization that has been bringing different um, ideas and opportunities for the kids at school. So doing a lot more of that, um, you know, like I said, just taking care of myself, honestly, you know, I've been working out, been riding a bike for this last year and just making sure that my mental and physical is, is on point, man, because that's important. That's very important. Uh, and need, that needs to be in order in order to, to prosper and to be successful, you know, with everything else, man. So it's pretty much where I'm at, man, just yeah. going with the flow and, and staying creative and, and, and remaining musical and, uh, you know, so you, you definitely should hear some uh, some incredible records this year, man. Uh, I'll be looking forward to it. Before we break, in, I want to get into the sports talk because you did mention you're a big New York Giants fan. I need your thoughts on the draft. So, I, you know, I'm not big on the drafts. Like this year, shout out to my homie, A.B., uh, my <laughs> brother. I went and, and watched the draft with him, and he's very knowledgeable of, of football and, and, and how it works. Like he broke down to me the salaries and I didn't even know it worked like the first <laughs> rounds and who gets paid what and how long. And so I learned a lot this year about the drafts. Um, but overall, excuse me, overall, I'm excited. I'm, and not just as a giant, but just for everybody, like for all of, you know, the Kings around the world that put the work in all their lives as athletes, you know, for their dreams to be coming true. Um, even though I didn't understand it, I would watch just to watch it to help and to be a, in support of the celebration of them, you know, as they in, embark on their new journeys um, in the NFL, man. So from that lens, I'd be hyped. I'd be super hyped, man. And whoever we get is whoever we get, you know, and, and, and excited to see them, you know, um, on the field. Um, so, yeah, man, overall, I'm ex- not only excited about the Giants, but I'm excited for for all of the young players um, that that made it into the NFL. Just definitely a big look, big opportunity. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of doubt along the way and, and uh, you know, people that, you know, bet, bet, bet against them and that didn't believe and moments where they thought they wouldn't make it, um, but they made it, man. So congrats to everybody that, that was drafted into the NFL. 100%. You know, let, let's hope the Giants do good. Even though I'm a Jets fan, let's hope that the Giants Ooh. do good. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, listen, I have an application that I can email you right now. You know, if you want to kind of 
change colors, man, because you got the blue on right now. You got the Knicks blue. It's the same blue as the Giants, man. So yeah. I got applications, man. If, you know, <laughs> if you want to come over, man, it's all right. It's good. We'll, we'll, oh. we'll forgive you. Oh, man. Here, listen, listen. I mean, the Giants, they they pissed me off Christmas Eve that year when when Victor Cruz ran that touchdown all the way past him. Antonio Cromartie was at the 80-yard, 100-yard touchdown run back. Dude. But I did go for you guys when you beat the Patriots, so I was happy. My man, my man, and I gonna lie. If 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 we were sitting home, you know, twiddling our thumbs, man, and and y'all, you know, was in the Super Bowl, bro. I, I can't I can't bet against New York, man. I can't I can't bet against you know the home team. So yeah, I no. definitely I definitely would I definitely would root you guys on, man. I can't hate, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> For basketball, are you a Knicks fan? So I was a Knicks fan. Um, you know, with me, I I. I I do be fans of the teams, but I take it a step further and become fans of some of the players, mm. right? So I'm a big, big Carmelo Anthony fan. Um, and I didn't like the way that whole thing went down. I didn't like the way they treated him. Um, and he's a staple. He's an icon and a legend, especially 100%. in New York. And I just didn't like the way they moved with him. It was just so much lack of disrespect and, 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 and integrity. And when they did that to him, I didn't want no parts of the Knicks, bro. Like for real, I didn't want no parts of the Knicks. I, I started rocking with Brooklyn, <laughs> like just oh no, <laughs> yeah, bro, just because of that. Like it wasn't even no yeah. bandwagon. This is before they had Kyrie, before they had Harden and KD. Like I just, you know, it was just different. And I'm gonna say this too, and I never really said this online, but I, this is how I feel. The culture that Brooklyn has to me caters to us more than the Knicks. Meaning when, when I go to the, the Brooklyn arena, the Barclays Center, it's a different energy, yo. It's a, it's a different energy, it's a different vibe versus the Knicks. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm talking about from a culture standpoint, like us being like minorities and- you I know, know what from, you mean. You, you know don't, what I'm saying? Don't it's understand. Just, well, he's he's very racist from what, yeah, I, from what bro, we've like, seen, just the way he treated Oakley and what yeah. he's trying to do to Spike Lee. You see it and it, you're not going to catch me down at the garden anytime soon. I think that the ticket prices are astronomical. They're not even that good. Well, this year, apparently they're a playoff team out of nowhere, but they've been terrible for years and he does nothing to improve the team at all. I mean, you have Brooklyn who's winning literally right down the street from you and they're bringing in Katie and Kyrie. What does that say? That points to ownership to me. Yes, sir. I agree a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. Like, you know, I went to a Knicks game, um, before the uh, was it this year? I think it was this year. Was it this year or last year? I forgot when it was. Was it this year or last year for my birthday? Mm-hmm. Mad random. I was just like, I was in Harlem and was like, yo, it's a Knicks game today, man. Like, and it was like, my, I think that was the day of my birthday. It's either on a Friday or Saturday, something like that. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, you go last minute, you know, and you know, you get the, 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 the season ticket holders that's just like, Whatever, let me just get rid of these, man. And it was like floor seats, mm-hmm. um, like the third or fourth row. And I think I got it for like three hundred or something crazy, four hundred total. Wow. With the with the with the Delta Sky Lounge access and everything, like fire. That's fine. And I went and I had a great time. I think they were playing Boston. Um, I had a great time. You know, the energy was cool, but like they didn't play no hip hop joints, like you know, all of the dances and every, all of the entertainment was just like jazz and <laughs> super 80s and 70s rock. 
and I love all genres. Like I'm a musician, so I love jazz. I love rock. But I'm your like, favorite's dance. That's your favorite genre. Yeah, like you, so you wouldn't play none. Of, like you're not gonna play no New York artists. Like no, come on, bro. Like Fat Joe is here all the time. You're not gonna play that. Like you're not gonna play all the way up. Like you're not gonna like none of that. Like come on, bro. Like come on, man. So I don't know. So but when you go to Brooklyn. Like you feel like you're in New York. You feel like you're in Brooklyn from the entertainment, the people that's singing the national anthem, you know, the performances that's happening during halftime, like the music that's being played, the chanting music. It's just a different vibe. It's just, it's just more culture, you know, to the Brooklyn, man. So hopefully, you know, they step it up at the Knicks. Uh, salute to the Knicks. They're doing great. And again, this is not to any, it's not to the, it's not even to the team. Like you said, it's not even like it's I'm, the I'm like, the, it's the ownership, it's the organization that, I just like you said how they treated Oakley, how they treated Melo. Just, just come on, bro. Like how even Spike, yeah, but Spike, you know, had that situation, you know, with the entrance or whatever happened with him. Like, come on, bro. Like Spike, Spike has been coming here for like 30, 40 years, been paying that that crazy ticket fee for that first row. And then all of a sudden, years, one bro. day, you, it's you just oh, you're you're no longer welcome back here through this entrance. Use the yeah. other one. You're bugging, bro. Like, come <laughs> on, bro. You're bugging, bro. Like, I. I I don't even want to think about the amount of money he spent in that building. Just him alone. Like, you're bugging. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, man. But salute to the Knicks. They are playing amazing. Um, and it's good to see. You know, I am from New York still at the end of the day. They, they, they are the staple. You know, the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden. So, you know, I'm definitely rooting for them. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been feeling better. Seeing Melo do his thing in Portland and him being given a check a second chance you know, I feel better. So I don't know, maybe I'll come around one day. We'll maybe. see. <laughs> How about for Mets and Yankees? I'm going to assume you're a Yankee fan. I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan. Um, when Robinson Cano went over to the Mets, mm-hmm. I, I went, cause I support my friends, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we met and became, you know, brothers. And mm-hmm. uh, I started, you know, wearing Mets attire and going to the games to support him and all my boys and people was going crazy <laughs> over me, man. Like, what are you doing in those colors, man? I'm like, and my boy plays for the Mets, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if y'all, you know, play for the Yankees and y'all went and played for the Mets, guess who will be at the Mets game? Me, because <laughs> y'all my boys. So you got to gotta support each other, man. So shout out to Robinson Cano, yeah. but I'm definitely a Yankee. He was a Yankee first, which is why I'm, I was a Robinson and still am a Robinson Cano straight out the gate. Um, but when he came to the Mets, man, and, and we linked up, I was like, yeah, I got to. I gotta support bro the Mets, but I am a, a New York Yankees fan. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and City Field is a nice stadium. It's nice. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Both both stadiums. Both stadiums are definitely fire. Um, you know what I mean? So either way, either way, you, you can't lose uh, with, yeah. with both stadiums. I think the Jets need their own stadium. The Giants can have MetLife. <laughs> I, I wish we can get a dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. That'll be fire, bro. But yeah. I think I think they use like they said. I think they use the cold and the weather for advantage, you know, over, uh, you know, those other teams that's used to playing in domes and, yeah. and, 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 and in the sun, you know what I mean? So I, I guess, I, I guess whatever, <laughs> it's just yeah. not cool for the fans <laughs> that are not running on the field. That's just sitting still freezing their asses off. So. <laughs> oh man. Amadeus, is there anything else you'd love to tell the audience up here? Anything else? Man, uh, Max, I appreciate you having me on, my brother. Um, this has definitely been a great conversation. Uh, love the way you interview. Love the questions that you've asked. Um, I think it's only a great interview, uh, you know, if you have the person on the other end that's making the conversation engaging and great for the audience. And you've done that this this entire time. Again, salute you, salute to you and the radio show um, and all that you do. Humbled and grateful to be selected to be on the show. To everybody tuned in. Uh, much love to you all. Thank you for all the love and all of the support throughout the years. I'm far from done. 
I'll definitely still continue to give greatness in music. Um, and for those dreamers out there, man, you know, I'm an example of dreams do come true. It's going to seem hard. It's going to look impossible. It's going to look like it's not obtainable. It's, it's, it's going to look like you can't make it happen. Um, but through it all, through the doubt, through the haters, through the disbelief, through the hood, through where I grew up at, through, through some of my surroundings, you know, I was able to keep my eye on the prize, man. And I'm grateful that I'm able and in, in here today to share my story with you guys. Hope you all were inspired and motivated. Um, and I appreciate you all uh, for on a social media level. Uh, my Instagram is Amadeus PBM, A-M-A-D-E-U-S PBM. Twitter is producer Amadeus. Um, and if you're trying to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram more than Twitter. So uh, Instagram will be the best place to reach me. Again, Max, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for having me, man. No doubt. And whenever you want to come back on, you know, you're always welcome. Anything you have to promote, anything you need from me, you, you're good with me. So Thank well, you, man. we'll get you back on whenever you need it, man. I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Take care, you stay too. safe. You look forward to the upcoming records that you have coming out. When it's all said and done, you'll be in, in the top producers of all time. Guarantee man. it. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that, man. No doubt. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day, man. All right, you too. Blessings, everybody. Yeah. Much love. Much love.